everybody. This is David Perkins. You're listening to the Desperation Podcast. Join us this summer for the Desperation Conference at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, July 9th through 11th. For more information and resources, go to desperationonline.com. Everybody say DSM by DSM. Hey, we're so honored to have such incredible young people that are part of DSM. And so tonight, I just want to introduce to you guys the very first. We have some preachers tonight who are going to share the word of God with every single one of us. And so again, maybe you came in late. Maybe you didn't hear me uh, earlier. Hey, this is not the time for you to just kind of check out or just kind of play on your cell phone or just guys, would you just give every single person on the stage your undivided attention? Because maybe, just maybe the Lord has something to say specifically to you through one of them or every single one of them tonight. Is that cool? All right, great. All right, so cool. So our very first, our very, very first speaker tonight, you, um, you, most of you guys know him. Uh, he is an incredible man of God. He's one of our amazing Samuel's Call student leaders. Answer the call. All right, you got it. That was just my Samuel's Call, peeps. All right, so would you guys stand to your feet? We have Kyle Williamson coming. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's welcome Kyle. As previously mentioned, I am Kyle Williamson. I am a senior at Lewis Palmer High School, and I've been going to DSM for quite some time, So, and I'm just blessed with this amazing opportunity to come up and uh, share with you God's message tonight. So um, for the past couple weeks, we've been talking about the heartbeat of heaven, and what that basically means is that God wants us to go out and get souls for Jesus. And ways we can do that is by praying and by seeking and by really being aggressive and strategic in our ways to uh, talk with God and talk with people. And so I feel like with these uh, couple weeks that we've been going through that, two people arise from this type of thing. We have a fan and we have a follower of the faith. Now, we can relate this to kind of a sports fan. Um, There's this guy. His name is uh, Tim McKernan. He is a uh, very, very diehard Broncos fan. In 1967, he started to go to Broncos games, and he's been to almost every single one. They call him the Barrel Man. And I should have a picture up here for you guys. There, That is what he looks like. He would wear nothing but a barrel to any game, no matter the weather. And he actually just retired his barrel. He sold it, sold it for like $330,000 or something like that because it's so, such a big deal. He went to so many Broncos games. And see, if you notice something about him, though, is that if he got called to play, would he do well? No. No. I can tell you that right now. See, he was a fan of the game. However, he could not play the game. And see... Uh, sometimes, and this totally relates to our faces, that sometimes we can see these people come up here and speak, and we can hear Pastor Brandon's message, and we can see this going on in our lives, but we just become a fan of it. We just decide that we can just stand on the sidelines and cheer for the people who are going for God, but we ourselves just sit back and don't engage. And we can also see that there's another person that comes out of this, though. There's a follower of God. They're the people that play the game. They're the people that engage and go into and be aggressive and strategic with God in God's word. So for this, I'm going to read 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Um, it says, But have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has a limited benefit. However, 
Godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And right here, God says that our bodies, what we have, what we can do, is limited. Yet it says, yet it says godliness is beneficial in every way. So in other words, godliness has no limit. So the title of my message today is No Limits, and how we can obtain no limits, and how when we truly get no limits, we can do exactly what Pastor Brandon has been saying these past three weeks, and we can go out and be the light that God has called us to be. So uh, limit, just a brief definition, is kind of just like a point at something where you can't go across. So say this stair is a limit for me. I would not be able to go past it. I would not be able to go onto it. It's a limit. It's set in stone. I'm, I can't go past it. And now in calculus, I'm in calculus here, and we deal with limits quite a bit, and I hate them, that's for sure. And I'm pretty sure God hates limits too. So um, with this, though, God has sent us a promise. He promises and he fulfills his promises every time in Scripture. So um, in Luke 24, verse 49, God promises, And look, I'm sending you what my Father has promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. See, God has promised us an empowerment from on high. And he was saying this to all his disciples uh, right before he got ascended into heaven. And he was telling them that you, trust me, you are going to be empowered from on high. Now in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, we can see the fulfillment of that promise. It says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house they were staying in. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared on them and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them the ability for speech. Now we can see that fulfillment of the promise in life. We can see the, the empowerment in their lives right in that moment. But some of the times I think us as Christians think that that promise was only fulfilled in those select few in that upper room. However, if we go later into Acts 2, verses 38 through 39, um, after, right after Peter gives his sermon, he, um, one, a couple people in the crowd start asking, hey, like, what do we do now? Like, is there, I, I don't know what to do now. Uh, you've preached this great message, but how do I continue this? And Peter responds, he says, repent. Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. See, God has called everyone to be limitless. God has called each and every single person, no matter how young, no matter how old you are, no matter how far off you are from the faith, he has, faith, he has called you to be limitless. And once they, were, uh, once they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, just in Acts, uh, Peter delivered a sermon that uh, saved 3,000 people. Peter and John healed a lame man sitting outside of a temple complex. A murdering hater of God, Saul, got turned into this, one of the greatest apostles of all time. Um, demons were defeated in Ephesus, and this is just in Acts, you guys. This, so much more happens in other books, and so much more accounts, even recent accounts of people healing, and people being empowered by the Holy Spirit, and going out and doing this. Um, and, and if you notice, the people who are empowered with the Spirit, and who have received God's gift, and received the Holy Spirit, they didn't say, okay, Good job, you guys. You can do it. I'm just going to sit back here and watch, kind of cheer you on. No, they wanted to, they really, really wanted to and had the heart of God to go out and perform what God has called on their lives. They said they were not going to be a fan. They were going to be a follower of God. 
And the, see, the call that we have on our lives is very, very simple. It is outlined in Mark sixteen fifteen. It's the great, it's known as the Great Commission. Then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to whole creation. See, God has called us to something rather simple. It's all we have to do is to open up our minds and to open up ourselves and not limit the limitless God. So why on earth would we try to limit God? Why? Why? We have this power, and sometimes we put a cap on ourselves. See, the Spirit wasn't, God didn't design the Holy Spirit to come in our lives and just chill. The, the Holy Spirit was designed to come inside of our lives and to be poured out onto all the nations, all the peoples of this earth. See, He, he was meant to be comp- continually poured out, and it's like um, the Dead Sea, is that it gets continually poured into, poured into, poured into, yet there is no outlet for it, so nothing can live inside of it. See, now, with this power, we cap ourselves so, so, so much. We oftentimes just forget the kind of things that we have inside of our hearts. And so, what I want to see now in schools is I want to see praying for the lost. I want to see hearts be changed. I want to see healing for the broken. I want to see speaking life into the hurting and prophesying against those people and truly live without limits. See, because I don't know about you guys, but I am sick and tired of seeing these people that cap themselves. They have this power inside of them, yet they do not use it. Yet we, ha- we have this limitless God that is on our sides and that uses us and moves through us, yet we say, no, you know what? I'm not gonna, I-, I can't do that. But guess what, guys? Our body is limited, but God is not limited. And if we walk with God, we are powered, empowered from on high, then why does it matter? We can't cap ourselves when it comes to God. See, and a follower is going to be someone who does that. A follower is going to be someone who is not capped, who is completely open to what God is going to do in their lives. He reaches out to the school and the broken. He sits with somebody at lunch who's had a bad day. And see, I want to see you guys have this across all your campuses. I want to be able to hear stories come out and say, uh, I, I tried and I adopted this no-limit mentality. I let God kind of explode from my life and be continually poured out onto other people. And I, I want to see that so bad because God has the power in you today. He has the power. He has bestowed the power in you. See, because when God promises something, he fulfills that promise. And he has promised you the empowerment of the Spirit. He has promised you that. So go out and use the promise and fulfill his promise. And God also calls us to this in Romans 1.16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation for everyone to believe. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. So what God is calling us to do, he's calling us to do everyone. See, in this time, the Greek were the people that were just way, way off. We're like, I'm not going to associate with those guys. Those, they, don't, they obviously don't know God. Why even bother? Yet, he, God called us to associate with them. God called us to go into their lives and be in their lives and be a part of them. So go to the Greeks across your school. Go to those people, the Gentiles, the, the lowest of the low, the people that you think would never be able to receive God because guess what? God has promised them the Spirit too. So with that, I just pray, and that's my asking for you tonight, is that you guys would have a no-limit policy in your life. I just, I just want to see that you would just make it a statement and a cry out for God that you would live limitless. So if you guys could all pray with me real quick as I end. Lord God, right now, I just ask for no limits to be put on these people's life, Lord. 
Lord God, I pray that they would not have the cap on themselves anymore. Lord God, I pray that you would take the lid off right now. Lord God, as you pour into them, I pray they would not be like the Dead Sea. Lord God, I pray that they would be able to pour out, Lord God, and receive what the fullness of your power is for them. Lord God, you have promised us so, so much. Lord God, and the fulfillment of that promise is going to come, Lord God, because you always fulfill your promises. You always fulfill your promises, Father. And I just thank you so, so much for fulfillment of those promises tonight, Lord God. And I just pray for prayer to just erupt from their hearts, Lord God. I pray that right now that a spirit of empowerment would be upon them for prayer of the lost in their school, Lord God. That they would be able to go out and just pray continuously for you, Lord God. And they would be able to reach the lost and, Lord, obtain the heartbeat of heaven, Lord, and win souls for you. In your name we pray, amen. Come on, wasn't that good tonight? I'm like stealing points for my next message for Heartbeat of Heaven. That was so, so great. Thank you so much, Kyle. Hey, you guys, our next, our next communicator tonight. So, uh, so amazing, a powerful young woman of God. And uh, so funny because there's lots of talk and I hear several um, are, are going to be even just debating the issue. And some of you are like uh, women in ministry or women and their roles in church. And uh, let me just say, just so we're all on the same page, we believe in women preachers at New Life. Come on, somebody. We believe that God can anoint you no matter your race, no matter your gender, no matter your socioeconomic status. There's no gender in the spiritual realm. And so God chooses and picks whomever he chooses and picks to speak through us tonight. And tonight he has chosen our second amazing vessel. Would you all stand to your feet one more time for Miss Taya? Cox. Um, I'm a junior at Palmer Ridge High School. Yeah, there's two of us. It's awesome. Um, just a little about me. I grew up in a Christian family, and I actually grew up here in New Life, so pretty cool. Um, and I'm going to speak on a subject tonight that's really, really close to my heart, and it has always been, and that is freedom. And I think that there can be a lot of confusion behind it, and I know even growing up in the church that I didn't understand it completely, and I didn't know, even growing up in the church, I should have known this, but I didn't. And one of the things that really kept me from freedom and in so much bondage was secrets. In seventh grade, um, one of my sister's friends died in a car crash. And he was an amazing man of God, a true, true man of God. And I just felt inadequate to him. And I just kept comparing myself. And I didn't understand why a man of God could, like, die like that. And I, I was living. Like, why was I living? And I just became so depressed. And I got into cutting and self-hurt. And I just hated myself. And I just, but I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell her until six months into it. And I remember a specific moment of coming to even DSM. And I had a conversation with Stephen Davis. And I remember standing in front of him and loving that he couldn't see through me. And loving that I had something to hide and I could control that. I enjoyed that for whatever reason. But the problem was that the part that wanted life, that wanted freedom was so desperate to be noticed. And I wanted someone to walk up to me and be like, hey, God told me you're dealing with this and this and this. And I didn't want to be vulnerable about it. But God didn't send that person and I was angry. 
I was angry at the church. I was angry at pastors for not seeing through me, and I was angry at God. And some people are asking, like, what is the big deal about secrets? But if you look at Scripture, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So secrets were one of the things that really kept me hidden, really kept me in bondage. And another thing was time. You know, we hear that cute phrase, time heals all wounds, and it's on Instagram photos and posters, and it's just a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Guys, it's a lie. Time can't do anything to heal you. I had demonic attacks from 6th grade to 10th grade to the song, You Won't Relent. And I, like, that song came on, and I just, I couldn't handle it, and i just get visions, and it was just awful. And people would pray over me, and they'd be like, you're free. And Jesus would be like, you're free. And I'd be like, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's been two years. Don't worry about it. It's been way too long for you to have to dealt with this. And I let months go by and years go by. I let five years go by in, in fear and perpetual fear. And I was just in shaking and I hated that song. I couldn't stand that song. I just let time and time go by. And it wasn't, it wasn't how God wants us. God, see, freedom doesn't take time, but this willing spirit, this willing spirit to be moved by the heart of God to receive freedom. It's not time he wants. He wants a willing spirit for you guys to be open to his word and to hear the truth. And it doesn't take time. So secret and time kept me in bondage and that led to shame. So I went from cutting and I stopped cutting just for the sake of stop cutting, just not for really any reason. Um, and I went from that to extreme amounts of self-hatred. I hated myself. I hated my story. I couldn't share my story until like 10th grade because I just was so ashamed of it. And I was afraid if I told you what was going on, if I told you I was a cutter, if I told you what was really happening, you'd be disgraced in me just as a disgrace in me as I was in myself. I hated myself. I had so much shame. But this, this isn't how we're supposed to live either. In Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christian. No condemnation. Not maybe. Not, oh, I wish you didn't have no shame. No, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Living in shame is it's just not the way he wants us to live. I mean, he's giving us something for it. In Isaiah 61, 7, it says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. It's a promise. He's not saying, oh, I'll take your shame, but you don't get anything. No, a double portion from the God of the ages. That's how much he loves you. He's giving you double of something for shame. Beauty for ashes. That is what he wants for us. But we we doubt this promise. But you see, shame is of the devil who wants you to believe you're inadequate. You're not worth it. You're not going to make it. How dare you do this? And this leads me to my, the belief that I had for the longest time, my final point tonight, which is the idea that I've gone too far. Do I remember being so deep in my darkness and so deep in my cutting that I remember looking at people who were in righteousness and in love with God. And I was like, well, that's, that's nice for them. But you see, I'm over here. There's no way I could ever be over there. He can't rescue me, and I don't deserve to be rescued. And I have this idea that I just, I've gone too far. Just don't worry about it. Like, I just, there's no way I could be redeemed. Again, there's this, another lie. This is no reason we need to believe this, because his love, there's a king whose love is unconditional. There's nothing to it. There's this unconditional love. We don't have to earn it. And in Scripture, the depth of this love is described very clearly. In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, it says, and that I pray that you, 
being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to this love that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of his Holy Spirit or the fullness of God. You can't, you can't outstep his love. I could be here in my cutting, in my darkness, and he's still going to reach me because I can't go higher than his love, can't go deeper than his love, and I can't outstretch this love that literally is unconditional. has already reached every place possible. There's no, there's no way you could have gone too far. And there's abounding love that's shown in so many ways. But there's one way in Isaiah 43, 4, it says, Since you are precious and honored in my sight, because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. This is like God taking the nation of India, the second most populated nation in all the country, and giving it for you. He wants you that badly. He wants you this Nations in exchange for your life, not nations so maybe you'll still live in darkness and shame and bondage. No, nations so that you can have life and life abundantly. That's what he wants for you. I think the biggest reason we believe this line, the reason I believe this line has had, I mean, we're going into this Easter season. Have you guys seen the thorn? The thing we put on the church, yeah? Yeah? I mean, this church is different, but, you know, we have a glamorized, sometimes pastel view of the cross and we doubt its power and its true, true significance. So this is the true story of the cross. Jesus was betrayed by one of his inner circle of friends, Judas. He spent all his time with him and he was betrayed by him. And they went that to being tried by the Pharisees. And he was already found guilty before he even got there. And he went from that to being flogged, or in history it's called scourged, which was meant to be both physically painful and humiliating to go through. And in Roman times, 40 was considered an execution. So it's assumed Jesus just received, received just under that 39. But I promise you that one probably didn't matter because his back would have been in shreds. There would have been nothing there to hang anymore because his back would have been torn apart. But that was enough. So they sent him to the soldiers who created a crown of thorns. They shoved it onto his head and they, and they bashed it into it, bashed it in. And then they mocked him. This was the king. This was Jesus who's supposed to be on the right hand of the throne of God. He was mocked. And that wasn't enough either that he had to walk with a cross one half mile, which is two laps around a track with help. Because he no longer had the strength to do it himself. When he finally got to the top of the Via del Rosa, they took spikes. Spikes that were estimated to be from five to seven inches that were hammered into his palms. They were hammered into his palms. And if you look at the Gospels, it says that they crucified him at nine in the morning. But he didn't die till three in the afternoon. That's six hours of hanging there for your life. He wants you that badly. This was in his palms for six hours. That's how much he loves you. And he declared, it is finished. And why do we have that idea that, oh, it's finished except for me? Or except for those who are in shame, except for, no, it, it's finished. It was a declaration. It was done and it was paid and there's nothing more. <laughs> Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor what you did in the past, nor what you're going to do in the future can keep you from the love. It paid, it paid everything. This was in his palms and it paid everything. 
come on, we're, we're doing a desperation conference on what Jesus reigns over what? Over death and hell and fear. He reigns. He is the overcomer. He overcame everything, which means there's no way you could possibly live in so much bondage that he can't reach you. He is the overcomer. I think we make freedom a lot more difficult than it really is. It's just surrendering all of your heart to God. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, if you seek me and find me, you'll seek me with all of your heart. Every part of it. Not the closet. I mean, we saw the skit, the skit with the trash, you know. Oh, I'll deal with it later. I'll make it perfect and then I'll give it. No, he wants all of your heart and that's where he's going to meet you. He's going to meet you right there. You seek me and find me. You seek me with all of your heart, every aspect. So tonight I'm going to end with one last verse, which is from the message version of the Bible. Romans 6, 16 through 18. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of the God. And the freedom never quits. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you started listening to a new master. One whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. So I challenge you tonight. Maybe you have so many secrets and you haven't told anyone. Or maybe you have just let time go by and go by and you haven't felt any freer. Or maybe you have so much shame that you can't delight in the fact that God delights in you. Maybe he loves you so much. He wants you. Those moments where I finally realized how much God wanted me. And I surrendered my heart to him as I was I openly free. Guys, I'm not a cutter anymore. I don't have self-hatred anymore. I'm no longer bound by fear. No, I'm free because he wanted me. He loved me. He, he paid everything for me. The scars that were on my wrist were on his back. That was what he meant. This meant to live in freedom and absolute freedom. So if you're hanging there and you're so much bondage, God, just surrender into him. He's not a big God who's going to tell you daily what you didn't do. No, he loves you so much, guys. His love is unconditional and he wants you. He wants you so badly. So if there are chains in your life, just give them to him. Give it to him. He wants you. He wants you so badly. And there's freedom. There's freedom. He's jealous over your heart. This was the heartbeat of heaven. It was for you so that you could have life and life abundantly. And with that, I'm just going to pray us out. So God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you do have freedom, that you want us. God, that you have life and you want us so badly. God, I pray that you would break chains. God, that people wouldn't walk out here without freedom, without knowing how much you care for them and how much you want them. God, that you would pour identity into sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on now, that's a word. That is a word from God tonight. So good. Thank you so much, Taya. And tonight we have our final preacher uh, with a word in his heart, uh, in his heart tonight. Um, I want you guys to one more time just stand on your feet. You've seen him in the thorn. You've seen him with swords and crossbows. Probably not a crossbow. Machetes, machine gun, I don't know. Y'all gonna do it for Chase Windebank. Hello, DSM. Again, my name is Chase Windebank, and I have such the privilege of preaching you preaching tonight. Um, a little bit about me. I 
am not strange. I actually train in martial arts. That's why I have all these swords. I've been doing it for nine years, uh, which has gotten me to my second-degree black belt uh, on my way to my third-degree black belt. And so the title of my message tonight is A Matter of Life and Death. Uh, so I have a few weapons up here, and I want to show, show them to you. Uh, this one is called a dagger. It's meant to be small, concealed, but used by a very skilled person. It's meant to do a lot of damage, lots of damage. It's dangerous, but it's not the most dangerous weapon I have up here. The next weapon I have is called a Bowie knife. This one is a little bit bigger. It's got a little bit more weight, which means it can hold a lot more striking force. This does a lot of damage, but it's not the most dangerous weapon that I've ever seen. This one, this incredibly huge sword right here, used in the medieval times by warriors, was meant to have such weight that even though armor was so strong and it, the blade would not go through, it would crush the bones of the opponent. And it was meant for very long attack. This is, again, not the most dangerous weapon. The last sword up here, this is called the katana. It was made by and for the samurai warrior hundreds of years ago. This one has the power to go clean through anything, even three things of bamboo, one of the hardest woods on earth. It's the sharpest sword known to mankind. But yet still, it is not the most dangerous weapon I've ever seen. This next weapon I'm about to show you in this paper bag, in my nine years of martial arts training, I've never seen, nor have I never done, mastered it. It's very, very dangerous. Incredibly dangerous. Um, I need a volunteer. I would like to see. Janae, Janae, come on up here. All right, so before I let you see it, are you brave? Yes? Okay. I want you to close your eyes, and here's how it's going to work. You're going to reach your hand into the bag. Please don't cut yourself. No, close your eyes. And I want you to tell DSM what you feel, okay? So go ahead and reach in there. Okay, come on, go for it. What's in there? Hello. Um, it's like rubbery. It's rubbery? Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and show DSM what it is. It's a tongue. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. It's a tongue. That's right. You're good. Thank you. It's a tongue. That's right. Give her a hand, guys. Good job. So it's not as pointy as this. It's not as heavy as this or as long as this or as sharp as this. Why is it the most deadly weapon? It says in Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, just like these weapons do. Things like this. You're worthless. No one loves you. You were an accident. Away from me. You're just a jerk. Even in jest. These words are quick. And small, like the dagger. They carry decent weight, like the bowie knife. They crush the spirit and the body, like the sword. And they cut to the very soul of your being, 
like the katana. You see, in James, it talks about this. It's talking about the tongue. It says, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. He's perfect, controlling a tongue. It goes on to say how a small rudder steers a very massive ship. And then in verse 5, it says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of a body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. And it continues. It doesn't just stop there. It continues. And it speaks to us. It says, with tongue, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Does water flow, the salt, fresh water flow from a salt water spring? My brothers, can a fig tree produce olives and a grapevine figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You see, all of these things are so vital. It has the power of life and death. It has the power of that fire, that very small spark. It says in Matthew, in Matthew um, 12, 34, I want to go even deeper. Yes, the tongue itself can do nothing. But Matthew 12, 34 says this, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I were to take this sword, really, really heavy, sharp, and lay it on the floor, why would I need to fight anything? I can't do it. But if someone, Dustin, go ahead and grab the sword for me. If Dustin has this sword, then there's a threat. But consider this. Nine years of martial arts training I've had with the katana. He just picked it up. Who is more deadly? Who knows how to use the weapon better? Who will win? I will. Right. I will. So for Dustin's sake, we'll take this sword from him. Okay? It says again in James that no man has yet to master. Or no man has mastered it. But I promise you this one person in history. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. He mastered the tongue. He didn't have a single bad word. He did not have a single even bad thought. So he tamed this tongue. So how can we, as followers of Jesus Christ, tame our tongue? Just ask Jesus to change your heart. Ask Je- I need to ask Jesus every day, Lord Jesus, change my heart. Jesus calls himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if the tongue is the power of life and death, should we not invite life into our heart? Things like this, things like, you're loved. Jesus has set such a purpose on your life. You were called and made for so much more than what you're doing. I will stand by your side. Those are words of life. So you have a cho- we have a choice, DSM. We have a choice to try and master a weapon set on fire itself by hell, by ourselves. Something that no man has yet to do except Jesus Christ. Or we have the option of allowing Jesus to change our hearts. Because if out of overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So whether you have, if you have death in your heart, if you do not have Jesus, death will come out of your mouth. But if you have Jesus, life will come out of your mouth. Now, what about this? It's the same fault if we were to speak death. And also, it's the same fault if we were to refrain from speaking words of life. Both situations end in death. So my challenge for you tonight, DSM, is one, know that you have a weapon. Know that you have the power to speak life and death. Second thing is, know that you cannot do it alone. We cannot do it alone. It is Jesus Christ alone who changes our hearts. Okay? That's right. So with that, I want to pray that, that we would be a people who ask the Lord to change our hearts. Would be a people who ask the Lord to show us what life we speak. Would be a people that wouldn't even refrain from speaking life. Because I promise you, people, people in your school need to hear life. Guys, this is serious. Two students from Pine Creek committed suicide this year. Because A, either people spoke death, whether it be joking or not, or they refrained from speaking life. Every opportunity you get, speak life. Because you know what? Tomorrow is not promised. But I promise you this. Jesus makes all the promises. So we should allow Jesus to change us. So let's pray that Jesus would change our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your lovingness and your mercy. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for calling yourself the way, the truth, and the life that we may have life live inside of us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would come and that you would make our tongue your tongue. Father, that you would make our feet your feet, that you would direct our path to the person who needs life spoken into their heart and death to be removed. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would empower us to move like never before. Jesus, just like Kyle was saying, let us not sit on the sideline while our families and our friends slip away. Just like Ty was talking about, let us have the freedom to speak life, Jesus. Because you are most worthy to be spoken of. Heavenly Father, come and invade this place tonight, Jesus. Thank you. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.